Welcome to Dentists, Puns, and Money. I'm your host, Sean Terrell. My guest on today's episode is Dr. Scott Luna. A devastating back injury left Dr. Scott unable to practice very early in his career, and that forced him into a CEO role and the owner of multiple dental practices. Dr. Scott used the lessons learned to found Breakaway Seminars and Dental Whale. And his current mission is to teach dentists how to reach $1 million of annual take-home pay. We dive into that topic, plus much more. As a reminder, our affiliated firm, Dentist Exit Planning, helps dentists nearing clinical retirement reduce their lifetime tax bill and replace their practice income so they don't have to compromise on the lifestyle they've come to love. If you are interested in financial guidance on your exit from dentistry, you can schedule an initial consultation with us using our website, which is dentistexit.com. And with that introduction, I hope you enjoy my conversation with Dr. Scott Luna. All right, Dr. Scott Luna, welcome to Dentist's Puns and Money. I am excited to hear your story. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. I can't wait. So my favorite place to, to get started is just to give the audience a little bit of context about who you are and sort of your career uh, in the dental industry. Could you share sort of the Reader's Digest version of the arc of, of your dental career to this point? Sure. I, I started as a dentist that opened an incredibly fast growing startup. And very quickly, I had a back injury and was put into a wheelchair off and on for 11 years. That led me to go from dentist to entrepreneur, owning multiple practices, selling them, opening and owning more, selling more. And then that led me to becoming a service provider of other dentists. Uh, today, my organization supports now 26,000 dentists every year. And my day-to-day job today is teaching these very intense dental business training seminars and coaching a small group of highly entrepreneurial dentists one-on-one. So uh, started as a dentist. And now I'm an entrepreneur helping entrepreneurs. So let's dive a little deeper into each of those transitions for you. Tell us a little bit about how the injury occurred. And you said it was very early in your career. And I'm guessing that's a, you know, someone that just opened a practice relatively uh, a, a little, a few years ago or whatever the timeline was, and then had a lot of student loans, I'm guessing, hanging over their head. That had to be a, a scary time for you to try to figure things out. Yeah, I graduated 2005 with student debt. I took out a startup loan. I opened a startup practice and we're seeing 350 to 400 new patients every single month. So it was a very, very successful practice where everything was breaking because at the time I didn't know how to run uh, great business processes. I don't know. I didn't know how to manage a team. Well, I didn't know how about auditing and case acceptance and phones and insurance. So 350, 400 patients every month was was a challenge and I had to become very innovative to learn how to process that many patients with great care and be very profitable. In the middle of learning all of that, I sustained a back injury, a freak soccer accident. I broke my back in four places. I was not paralyzed, thank God, but all the nerves that went to my lower body were completely crushed. And the next 11 years, I struggled to walk and to stand and to, I couldn't be a dentist. And not until six years ago or so did I have some pretty risky invasive surgery 
And that worked. And so today, no one would know by looking at me. But you know what? I haven't gone back and become a dentist. I, I decided I, I liked not being handcuffed to the recall schedule every day. And I've since kind of done really big things and had huge failures and huge successes. And, and I look back and, and I've, I've really understood a lot now about the business side of how to not just build one successful practice with an owner dentist, but but how to replicate that nationwide where just about any dentist is successful. And, and that's where I have a lot of fun helping other dentists. So after that injury, what did you do to get dentists into your practice, seeing patients so, the, so all the momentum that you had created with your startup could continue? Yeah, well, by month six, I had an associate dentist because my patient load was so high and because I stepped back because I couldn't be a dentist full time. By month 12, I had three associate dentists. And looking back, of course, I didn't know how to manage associate dentists. I just graduated dental school myself. But we had a couple of things back then that are needed to have associate dentists. We had high patient flow. We had, at the time, pretty good business processes. We were learning very quickly how to do things well. And you know, with our associates making so much money because of the patient flow and because of business process, we ended up having an easier time retaining them. And today, when, when I look at practices that have associate dentists, obviously, what the associate gets paid is part of the formula of, of finding and retaining a good dentist. So early on, for luck, maybe for uh, some work, we, we had a few things that were working well that enabled us to, by year three, have 10 associate dentists and 85 employees, and we were doing about 9 million or so in collections by year three across three brand new locations. How did you attract so many new patients so quickly at that time? And I'm guessing you've continued to try to replicate that formula throughout your time since then. Yeah, you know, uh, what worked back then is different now, but uh, you, you could talk about the principles of it are kind of, kind of multiple multiple layers here. You've got to have a proper marketing campaign that is sending the right message to the right person at the right time. That message can be sent via direct mail, it can be sent via Google paid ads, it can be sent as an Instagram ad, but you have to have the right message to the right people at the right time. And when they respond to that message, they have to either land on a very intelligent landing page, or they have to, of course, hopefully call. And when you handle that lead on the phone, it's incredibly important you can answer the phone. And it's incredibly important you say the right thing and that the practice has these policies that have lowered the barriers to entry. Those are three whole chapters right there. You know, Say the right thing, answer the phone and have lower barriers to entry. If they get to a landing page, that landing page has to be designed in a way to where number one, they are tempted to click to call. Or number two, they are trading their email address for some valuable content so that we can utilize their email address, nurture that email address through an additional layer of marketing, marketing campaign. And all of that is on the assumption that what I'm marketing is actually worth marketing. So is my practice worth marketing? Does it look marketable? Does it have marketable attributes for convenience and for patient experience? Do, do I have a marketable reputation? So there's lots of layers to this. But it, like anything in life, to be successful, it, it takes hard work doing simple things. So all of these things are simple, 
And there's a lot of them that we need to do. And luckily, you know, they're, they're pretty darn straightforward to do the, the one on one by one. And when we have those things set up properly, gosh, the patient flow just comes in. Does that make it sense? It does. And it's so interesting what you just explained, because I was thinking of myself a lot when you were telling the story. And that's a lot of the principles you were laying out are probably applicable to a lot of other service-based businesses that are out there. With me, just briefly to touch on it, like I'm a financial advisor by trade, but I've had to learn way more about marketing than I ever thought I would have to learn and how to attract and convert uh, new potential clients. And it sounds like you're talking about the same thing with, with patients in dentistry. Yeah, and, and uh, you can add a layer of complexity to it. You know, a patient that's looking for an implant dentist. So um, there's a whole other set of strategies toward the very specific dental seeking patient versus the, the patient just that just needs a family dentist. And as a dentist, you know, I, I teach a lot about how to take home a million dollars, take home pay. Pretty simple. One of those business models that results in a, a solo dentist taking home a million dollars has to do with supplementing a very lazy schedule with a $4,000 case. Well, that $4,000 case could be an orthodontic case, can be sleep apnea, can be imp- but it's going to be a lot of things. And to get those procedures, it does take some work on the marketing side, some intelligent work on the marketing side. So understanding the ins and outs of marketing today is one of the things needed to go from being a dentist that's just busy, 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 squeezing more in, more in, running faster, spinning their wheels, versus a dentist that on the outside seems kind of relaxed and lazy. But when you really look at what they're doing, it's incredibly profitable. So I want to go a little deeper there. You say a $4,000 case. Is that per day, per week? How are you uh, defining those metrics? Sure. Well, there's three core business models I teach on how to take home at least a million dollars every year. The first business model says you're a solo dentist. You work a what amounts to a part-time schedule five days a week. And you collect $2 million as a practice. Well, to collect $2 million a year, You've got to now kind of reverse engineer that and figure out, okay, well, what is $2 million a year? What is that, for example, per month? That's $165,000 per month. What's that per day? That's $82.50 a day. All right. Well, how can I collect $8,250 just working like five or six hours in a day? Well, a third of that comes from hygiene. That's $2,750 from hygiene. That's my, my average hygiene says $2,600 a day. So, 2750 could be one hygienist or, or it could be two less productive hygienists. That just leaves 5500 a day for the doctor. Well, how do you do 5500 every day as a dentist? The lazy way. One $4,000 case a day and just 1500 on top. That's a crown and a couple of things. And suddenly, if you have the ability to bring in a $4,000 case every day, then the rest of your day is incredibly lazy and simple. And you can start the day at nine after you drop the kids off from school and end the day at three when you want to pick them up. And the day doesn't seem to own you. Your life isn't defined by dentistry. Dentistry just fuels your life. Because at the end of this year, you take home a million dollars on that simple formula. And that is the most common way the dentist I coach personally take home a million dollars. That's the first way, actually. From there, we then go into another business model that reduces their time even further. Okay, so at a, at a basic level, 
and I think you threw out there, take home of a million dollars per year. I think that number is going to seem really, really high or even unreachable to maybe a lot of the dentists listening, but you broke it down really good. And that is, I guess, at a, at a really high level, what you teach with your breakaway seminars for different types of dentists and in, in different parts of the country. Yeah. You know, I've got, I offer uh, different types of seminars. Each seminar is like 400 pages long, a ton of content. Yes. I teach how to get to that number, but getting that number involves a lot of business processes. So my seminars are really around the business process. Like what should be said on the phone, for example, so that more patients actually schedule when you talk to them or what should the format of the financial form look like because that impacts how many patients actually say yes or what should the payment options be or how can you hold everyone accountable to doing their job like all of those things that we find in the trenches of running a dental practice have best practices and in my seminars i teach those best practices but when you kind of pull yourself out of the trench and you look at the whole battlefield you can start to strategize, all right, if I do these best practices, can I go down a path that brings me a million dollars take home pay every year? Or can I go down a path that says, I'm making incredibly good money only working two days a week? Or, or maybe it's a path that says, you know what, I want to work five days a week. I want 10 locations, right? All of those paths rely on being able to do what's needed in the trench really well. And unfortunately, for a lot of entrepreneurial dentists, they just do what they know. They do what they feel. They don't understand it's not exactly the best way. It works, but it doesn't work great. And to get success, they just take what's barely kind of working and just go faster with it. Just white knuckle it until they bleed. Just stretch their time out until they have life compromises. And it seems like they just get bigger and bigger and maybe don't even make that much more money. And, and that is a difficult place to be, but that is where a lot of dentists are today. So in order to get a new, better future out of this, it, it, to me, it seems like it would start before you even dive into the, the nuts and the bolts of things of some intentionality behind what do you want your practice and what do you want your life to look like? Is that where you guys start with people? And how do you help pull that out of dentists that are hearing some of this for the first time? Yeah, I, I say this every now and then. You don't want to be caught being really good at playing the wrong game. And so, and you know, that goes, that's not just dentistry and business, that's life. A lot of us maybe at some point in our lives are asking ourselves, what the hell are we doing? You know, we, we've gotten really good in our career and really good at what we're doing, but we're not actually doing what we want. You know, so in business and in dentistry, we got to be careful that we're not getting good at doing the wrong thing. So starting out or asking yourself every now and then, what is my three-year goal, my 10-year goal? And can I re rewind back to what that would mean for the next three months to a year? That's a very healthy process to go through. And unfortunately, though, if you don't know what's possible, you don't know how colorful that goal can be. You know, it took forever. People just assumed you could never run a mile in under four minutes. Forever, it was impossible until someone did it. And very quickly after one person did it, a ton of people did it. People assumed as a solo dentist in one location, you can't take home a million dollars take-home pay. But I'm telling you right now, there's a ton of people doing it. I mean, nearly everyone 
am I connected to every month? Doesn't. And so it's very possible and it doesn't mean I'm stretching yourself thin. These people have some of those balanced lives I see because when you take home a million dollars every year, you have a wealth of choice. You don't have to work as much. You don't have to compromise your life just for cutting yet another damn tooth. That's the funny thing about wealth is people without wealth sometimes assume it takes stretching yourself thin and and compromising yourself to get it. What actually happens is as you get wealth, you make less compromises to yourself. Uh, At least if you're doing the right thing, you make less compromises to yourself and you end up becoming very wealthy with a very healthy life. You know, it's not what I said is not complicated. Producing $8,250 a day with one dentist does not have to be complicated, but it does mean you have to know how to market. You have to know how to handle phones. You have to know how to get case accepted. You have to be able to diagnose it. You have to be able to submit claims. I mean, there's a lot of things you have to be able to do, but you don't have to do any of them perfect. You just have to do them good enough. And it's a process. Getting healthy isn't done overnight. It's just the process of doing something small and simple every day. Working out 20 minutes every day changes your life 10 years from now. Eating right for breakfast or right for lunch instead of wrong changes your life 10 years from now. And you know, uh, as a financial advisor, doing the right thing, the right habit every day, week and month financially, some small, easy thing changes your life 10 years from now. Now, luckily, it doesn't take 10 years to take home a million dollars. It doesn't. I mean, our, our average startup practice, for example, our average startup practice. In the third year open from scratch, collects 1.9 million. That dentist takes home over 800 grand a year. Our average one, that's year three open from scratch. It doesn't have to take 10 years, but it for sure isn't done overnight. So interesting. Some of the things you just hit on there and what jumped out to me was what you're really talking about, I heard, was compounding. Everything in life I've found compounds both good and bad. Good habits compound and bad habits compound. And you see the results of that down the road, but it's but it starts with... Uh, with really good habits and figuring things out and how to do things, small, right things along the way. So yeah, the time for the transformation was was interesting to me to go from a scratch startup practice to, I think you said 1.9 a lot of times in in, in just a few years. What is the transformation like for a lot of practices that are in existence to begin with, or that have a group practice? What is the transformation that you are trying to help people find there? Everyone's at a different level. Some dentists are at their dream level. They're collecting $2 million a year, and they're really looking to simplify and make things organized, maybe take less time. Some dentists are not even happy with $2 million a year. They want 10 locations. They want $20 million a year, right? And, and some dentists are really happy just collecting eight hundred grand. Who knows? They're all at a different level. They all have different goals. But what they all share is that they have struggles. They struggle sometimes day to day. They sometimes struggle because they don't know the best way of doing something. Sometimes they struggle because they don't even know what they should want. They don't even know where to start. They just kind of have this practice and the practice is controlling them. And they they don't know how to get out of it, but they know they want to get out. And what I find is that when you learn best practices on how to operate in the trench, it changes what you know as being possible from a large strategy. And of course, when you understand what's possible on the large strategy, it might change what you prioritize in the trench. And so it's important to be educated. It's important to know 
what we're doing well and what we're not, what we can do better, why we might want to, why, why we might not. It all starts with knowledge. I wish, though, I wish knowledge was enough. It's not. It's just the beginning. Once we have the knowledge, we actually have to do something with it. And that is where it gets tough. Because when we implement something good and new, sometimes we don't get this major win, this, this you know fireworks going off on our financial statement saying, wow, we did good. Sometimes implementing something good feels very similar to before we implemented it. We don't see the effect for a while. But sometimes implementing something good is a huge, big deal immediately. But for whatever reason in our life, we're emotionally stretched, we're thin, we, we don't feel like we have the space, the time. We just don't get it done. We just deal with all the loud stuff day to day, and we never deal with the big, important stuff. So I think it starts with learning how. And once we learn how, we need the drive, motivation, accountability to then do what's best. In my life, I get that accountability by hiring people. I surround myself. I create an environment around me where I have to do it. Like I have a personal trainer. She's 4'11". She's the cutest, sweetest woman until I get to the gym and she screams at me. And I need her to make me work out and be healthy. Without her, I just would not do it. And that's the kind of person I am. I'm not the guy that work, that wakes up at five in the morning, excited to go run and do rows and lift weights. That's not me. And a lot of us will benefit from surrounding ourselves with people that help us grow, whether they're hired or whether they're friends or colleagues, or some sort of study group. We need to be surrounded by people that are on that same journey as us so that it gives us more unspoken accountability to doing the right thing. So building in the systems that are going to help someone be as successful as possible in whatever area they're talking about. The unsuccessful entrepreneur doesn't learn from other people and they do everything on their own and they try to figure it out. Then you get a little more successful when you've learned from other people and you start taking the shortcuts that learning gives you, but you're still doing it all on your own, trying to figure it all out. You're trying to figure out how you can do the right thing. And then you get even more success when you start hiring other people to help you do the right. And you get the most successful many times when you have other people do it with you. And unfortunately, the typical dentist is right on the bottom there. They're just going to do it their way. They're going to try to make it work, try to figure it out, maybe listen every now and then. And the most successful companies go hire the rock stars to do it with them, right? And when we're talking about the difference between taking home 160 grand a year versus 360 versus 1 million, it might make sense to go spend a little bit of time and money learning how to run a practice in a different way. It might make sense to surround yourself with other people and even hire people to help you. But we dentists are so tired and so busy being handcuffed to our practice that we fail to stick our head out of the practice and understand where the light really is shining from, where we should be going to. And it's the sad part of being a dentist is that most of us, when we die, our tombstone should just say dentist because that's all we did in life. And it, it, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the worst employee you can hire is the one that's barely good enough to not fire. The worst business we can have, the worst career we can have is the one that's Barely good enough to not quit. And I think a lot of us in dentistry have that. 
And what I hope is that dentists that listen to this podcast and, and other podcasts at some point get off their ass, get off of the seat they're sitting in right now and do something new and different that leads them toward the new level of success and the new level of freedom. That's what I hope. And it's so interesting, some of the things that you mentioned that keep dentists from doing that. And I think a problem too is this, this, there's so many offers coming at dentists all the time for everything that it just becomes probably noise at some point. And it's hard to differentiate which offers, which seminars, which CE are going to truly move the needle for a dentist. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which one. Here, here's the fallacy. We dentists, we're freaking engineers of the mouth. We care about a half a millimeter. We care about that kind of dumb stuff. So we, we get all these offers, all these options. We research, we have eight choices here and 10 choices there. And what ends up happening is we do nothing. If we just pick one model, we will be better off than we were yesterday. We're like the guy that goes in the ice cream shop and wants to taste all 20 flavors and ends up not doing anything. Had we just offered him vanilla or chocolate, he would have picked vanilla. Then he would have yeah, had ice cream, right? That's the problem we have. It's not about picking the best one. Most of the success comes from just picking one. It doesn't matter if it's the best. The worst thing you could do is pick none. You understand? But most of us default to picking none when we can't figure out which one to pick. No, picking none shouldn't be an option. Just go pick one. Just find one that you have either you either have some sort of connection with. You think, yeah, that really sounds right to me. Like that sounds like it fits my life right now. Or pick one that you've been recommended to take by someone else that's been successful. Or pick the one you can freaking afford. What we shouldn't do is pick nothing. We shouldn't do is not get learning or not get some kind of coach or consultants. Just keep doing it the same way you've always done. Trust me. Trust me. Doing it the way you've always done, only faster, is just going to give you the same amount of money you have now, but wear you out. Like to get more money and to have more freedom, you have to do something new. You're not going to get that new thing just by waking up from a dream that explained it all to you. You have to go seek it out. It's so interesting because it, it, it reminds me of thinking something I try to think about a lot too, which is the way you've been doing it is perfectly engineered to get you exactly where you are. And if you don't like exactly where you are, then maybe you need to re-engineer how you're doing it. And I don't know, just food for thought as I was thinking about that as you were laying some of that out, good stuff. I want to make sure that the audience understands the options that are available for the breakaway seminars. Could you give just like the high level, different type of seminars that you guys offer and who they're for and sort of what that experience looks like over one day, two days, and kind of what a dentist who attends one of your breakaway seminars uh, will take away from it? Yeah, sure. And I, I mean, I, I apologize. I, I don't want this to sound like some freaking sales pitch for seminar. I, I led you there. <laughs> you know, do anything... <laughs> with anyone and you're going to be better off. If what I'm saying speaks to someone and they feel like they want to learn more about the way we do things in our world, breakawayseminar.com, we've got four events. We've got an event for startups called the Advanced Startup Seminar. It's two days long. They're all two days long. They're all 400 pages of content. They're all given by me. There's at least 100 things I teach in every single one of them. They're exhausting. They, they are completely exhausting to sit through and engaging. It's not going to some BS sales pitch or you know learning just three little things. It's exhausting amount of content. 
The second seminar we give is our business master's course. That's really the one I feel like everyone should take. That's where we teach the ins and outs of running not a good practice, but a great practice. All the things in the trench we need to know. Then we've got a seminar on owning multiple locations and having multiple dentists. That might apply to some people. And then we've also got kind of this additional seminar that is for training office managers. Those are the four courses I give, and I spend about half of my working career doing those seminars. And we're, we're very proud of them. We, we feel like they're, they're the best in dentistry, but you know, of course we do. We do them. So it sounds similar to what I do in that like the first step is just figuring out where you are and where you're trying to go, like me building a plan. But then I also tell people that after I deliver their plan, it's pretty much worthless because it's, you know, like the outside conditions are changing what you should do over time. So the real value comes in the ongoing iterations and figuring out how to pivot as you, as you go along. How do you guys deal with that? Obviously you're giving people an enormous amount of valuable information in over a two day period, but then for dentists that need ongoing coaching or ongoing guidance, is there, is that factored in? How does that fit in? Yeah, well, first of all, dentistry is not quite like like your side of the world in that the best way to handle a phone call doesn't just suddenly change. The best way to manage a team and ensure that they're doing what they're supposed to do every day doesn't just suddenly change overnight. So the things that we teach on case acceptance and diagnosis and patient flow, you know, marketing, phone, I'm a, all billions, just all that stuff slowly is adjusted over time, but the foundations of what we teach have been constant. They're the laws of how to run a a successful dental practice. Dentists that want a continued connection with me and my company, as I've recorded this right now, today, we have a coaching service available that is me one-on-one. And there's maybe a dozen entrepreneurial dentists that hire me personally as a coach. In 2023, we will be rolling out an option for people that want help and support, but don't necessarily need someone like me one-on-one with them. And so we will have kind of a middle option available. But I honestly, I don't, I don't feel like anyone should hire us for coaching until they've been to our seminar and learned how we run dental practices. And it might be that after this seminar, they don't need much coaching or they may really need it, you know, or or they may realize they they don't want to run a practice that way. So I I don't think it's a good decision to hire us for coaching, hire me for coaching. The right step is to come to the business master's course. That's, That's kind of the first step. If anyone wanted to work with us or understand how we're doing it. So we've covered a lot of ground. We've we bounced around a little bit, uh, Dr. Luna. Anything that we haven't uh, hit on that you think would be important to mention? I talk a lot about take-home pay. And in a simple way, where does take-home pay come from? Expenses down. And too many dentists out there are collecting more while increasing their expenses. They're adding more hygienists, adding more doctors, adding more operators, adding, adding, adding costs hoping it results in collections. Well, if we run a really efficient practice in a smart way, we can add collections without adding costs. And that's where these huge take-home pay numbers come from. And if we fail to collect, or excuse me, if we fail to take home a million dollars every year, take-home pay, we might accidentally only do 800 grand a year. You see, so like 
if we follow a model that maximizes take-home pay, even if we're not the rock star we want to eventually become, we're still better off than we've ever been. And that is where I feel like our, our brain should be. How can we take home more money? How can we collect more without increasing expenses? Also, another thing is the fastest way to make more money, the fastest way to make money is to cut an expense, is not to hope for growth. So in a healthy business, we have found ways to do the same thing with less expenses. We've also found ways to buy what we need to buy at lower prices, right? We found ways to cut expenses because that's immediate take-home pay. And part of our model involves taking a look at that and figuring out how to keep those expenses healthy, low. Yeah, go a little deeper there. How, how does a dentist uh, lower some of those expenses? What are a couple of ways? Yeah, well, real quick, I could tell you a common expense that's way too freaking high are supplies. Dental supplies and office supplies combined. Typical practices I see are at 8% of collections or more for that category. Our practices are less than 3.8. It's actually our, our average, 3.8%. We own practices across multiple states, and we're also connected to a bunch of dentists. 3.8% is where we're at. And how do you get to 3.8%? Number one, you have to be part of a larger buying group. Our buying group is called Dental Whale. It's a DPSO, a dental purchasing services organization. It's the largest in the country, I believe. So you have to be part of a large buying group because that gets you lower prices. Second, you have to have access to brands you normally don't have access to. For example, in Dental Whale, we have access to brands of gloves and masks from the largest medical suppliers that you can't find those brands in the Shines and Pattersons and Benkos of the world. While all these dentists were struggling to get masks and gloves during COVID, we had no problem whatsoever and we're getting cheaper. Then finally, besides being part of a group and having access to different brands, you have to have budgetary controls. You have to enforce the budget. No order goes out unless it's on budget. If it's over budget, you got to change the order. And what helps enforce that budget is software. So as part of, for example, the buying group we're in, we have software that scans every order to make sure that the budget or the, the order is on budget. It also even scans every price to make sure that the price that we were promised is still the freaking price we're being billed. But enforcing a budget, you can do it without software. You, you could just do as simple as you don't approve the order if it's over budget. But enforcing the budget is, is a key, key component of this. And you know, I don't think most dentists have even ever had a budget, which is a sad thing. Can you imagine any successful company operating well without a budget? No, but yet we're, that's how we're operating. So that's just one aspect, one example of cutting costs. And when you have a million and a half dollar practice and you cut, cut costs from you know 8% down to 4%, I mean, that's freaking 60 grand a year, right? Of profit. That's $60,000 of the year this year, $60,000 next year, $60,000 next year, $60,000. You're talking about an immense amount of wealth. And that's just one line item on the PL. Really good stuff. Really good stuff. The name of the podcast is Dentist Puns and Money. Would you care to share your favorite dental joke? Well, I saw on an email that I might have to say a joke. 
So literally an hour ago, I made one up. It's barely funny. But then I also have a second one. That's the saddest joke you've ever heard. Okay. Would you like both? Or would you? Yeah, give, give both. All right. So here's the one that's barely funny. All right. What do you call an implant dentist who accidentally sits in a puddle of water? I don't know. Don't know. Wop. A wet-ass periodontist. <laughs> All right. There's a barely funny one. All right. And now the really sad one. Okay. The sad one. Who in dentistry makes dentist money or more, but doesn't have a degree or treat patients? You got me. The damn, the damn supply rep. Mm. Believe it or not, a whole lot of supply reps make more money than the dentist they support. It's time to end that. Very sad. <laughs> Dr. Scott, uh, for people that are interested in learning more about uh, breakaway seminars or dental whale, where's, where's the best place to get more information? Breakawayseminar.com. Check it out. Very good. That is Dr. Scott Luna, dentist and founder of Breakaway Seminars, co-founder of Dental Whale. Dr. Scott, thank you for sharing your story, your expertise, and for being a guest on Dentists, Puns, and Money. Sean, thank you for having me and thank you for doing this for all of us. Thanks for listening and following along. Are you a dentist nearing your retirement from clinical or have you already hung up your handpiece? Would you like to learn more about ways to reduce your taxes and generate income from your assets in retirement. Our affiliated firm, Dentist Exit Planning, might be able to help you with those two things. Schedule an initial consultation with us on our website. Our web address is dentistexit.com. There's no obligation for your initial consultation. Again, schedule that initial consultation at dentistexit.com. As for our disclosure, Dentist Exit Planning and Terrell Advisors is a registered investment advisor. The information presented should not be interpreted or construed as investment, legal, tax, financial planning, or wealth management advice. It does not substitute for personalized investment or financial planning from Dentist Exit Planning or Terrell Advisors. This podcast conveys the views and opinions of Sean Terrell and his guests and the information herein should not be considered a solicitation to engage in a particular investment or financial planning strategy. Information presented is for educational purposes only, and past performance is not indicative of future results.